Well, hi, I'm Dave Swerdlick from Uptown Podcast Studios, located in Uptown Minneapolis, and Story Cub Video Picture Books. If you'd like to learn more, you can head on over to uptownpodcast.com and or storycub.com. But more importantly, I do like to say this, and I speak the truth. I am a proud member of Ed North, an EdTech meetup group located in the cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul in Minnesota. We used to have these awesome in-person uh, uh, meetups that seriously, truly amazing. And now we brought it online and it's still just fine. So go to ednorth.org and, and check it out and see uh, upcoming events and other things that are going on uh, with this organization. Again, ednorth.org. Great guest as always. Uh, uh, at least I, I think so. This guy, if he has any spare time, it would be certainly surprising to me. Uh, Nathan Stringy is super passionate about education and uh, it truly shines. Uh, you, you, you certainly hear it in, in his inflection. He is the startup uh, co-founder of Exploration High, getting ready to take off in 2021. He's also the U.S. country lead for 100, 100 ed as in education. And if that's not enough, he's senior learning designer at Fielding International. Randy Fielding and the crew over there, what a what a great group of people they are. So here it is. It's Nathan Stringy on the Ed North Ed Tech Podcast. This is a true startup. 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 Oh yeah. Nathan Stringy is joining us on the Ed North EdTech Podcast. Uh, how you doing, Nathan? Doing well, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great. I actually uh, saw you. I don't know if we spoke that night, but there was a presentation at your space where you currently, one of the many things that you do, where you currently work at. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Minnesota. Uh, where'd you go to high school, college? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in central Minnesota, graduated from Sarsell High School in 2005. And after that, went to Augustana University in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, before coming uh, to the Twin Cities, get my first job at Lakeville South High School in uh, the winter of 2010. And, and how old were you at the time? Uh, at the time, I was 22 years old. Uh, I, I started uh, teaching AP statistics and uh, and advanced algebra and pre-calculus at, at Lakeville South High School and uh, taught for 10 years. And here I am uh, in the world of school design, working with Field International and, and a new school startup in, in Northeast Minneapolis as well. I was just thinking, you set off on a career path uh, pretty quick. And being a 22-year-old teaching uh, in a high school, did uh, a lot of people think you were a student? <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I have a... a sort of a youngish look, a boyish look. So uh, there were many times in my first few weeks at Lakeville South where I'd get stopped in the teacher's lounge and say students aren't able to be in here. But I, uh, <laughs> I, always, I was always wearing my, my teacher's badge. So I, I was very quick to point it out. But I think they thought it was a forgery and I was just some new kid from, from Norway or something like that. But uh, 
it, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough go in those early years. But you also have to take command of the classroom too, right? You know, I never had an issue with classroom management. My philosophy in, in education has been and always is about relationships. Uh, if, if you really start by, by meeting kids where they're at, getting to know them, showing that you care, really being empathetic and loving, um, all the classroom management issues go away. Um, and I've, I've done that at suburban schools, inner city schools, um, all sorts of different environments that if, if you really do start by showing that you care and that, that you build relationships first, that's, that, is, that is how you create learning that's, that's meaningful. And from there, you can just do all sorts of amazing things, which I'm sure we're going to talk about today. You went on to teach further. Yeah, I taught at uh, St. Paul Conservatory for Performing Arts. Uh, in, in St. Paul for three years, and then I taught at the International School of Minnesota for five years. And I, I kind of, I, throughout my teaching career, I always sensed something was amiss in, in the way that, that we kind of compartmentalize our schools. And there's a different um, sort of vision that we have for, for learning and learners. Uh, we talk about having kids and, and very aspirational goals uh, where kids are kind of you know, curious and lifelong learners and creative thinkers and problem solvers, um, they really get to experience um, deep learning. And yet, when you actually go and walk in schools and you, you see what's going on, what you see is something that was designed for a completely different era of, of learning, a completely different era of living and working, something that came out of the first Industrial Revolution when here we are in 2020 living in the fourth Industrial Revolution. And so you, you, you have this huge sort of misalignment between what schools say they're trying to do and the way that they're set up to teach and learn. And so what I saw is I couldn't just keep kind of living in that system and teaching in that system. I had to really go in and create something, something different that is really designed around individual students that contributes to the, to the world around it. And what I discovered is there's all sorts of amazing things going on not only here in our community, but around the, the world, the, there is such an amazing movement around rethinking what education can be uh, at the moment. And I, fortunately, I get to kind of live and work in that space right now. Um, so it's, it's, an, it's a really fun time to be, be an educator and to think about what, 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 what could we do uh, to move forward um, to really create a future of learning that is much more around um, the learner, designing around the learner. You're a senior learning designer at Fielding International here in the Twin Cities. And I remember uh, Randy Fielding, I recall him telling me that when these schools were built, they, they were designed by the same people who designed prisons. And, and we called it bells and cells. Is that right? That, that's the right terminology. Yeah. And so, I mean, Randy, just uh, to allude to him, I mean, he is, I mean, one of the most humble uh, people in the world. He'll never say this himself, but he is literally a world-class designer of, of schools and learning spaces, spaces that are designed for well-being and for, for learner agency, for collaboration, for the type of things that we talk about that we want in our schools. Randy has a full career of actually creating that in places around the world. Here at home, he, he was one of the uh, designers of High School for Recording Arts. Uh, more recently, we've been doing work at Hopkins Public Schools, uh, other, other Minnesota projects, but also Fielding International for the last 20 years has been working in countries around the world, over 50 countries. And Randy is, again, 
one of the most humble guys you'll ever meet, but it's also just, he is a disruptor of entrenched ways of doing things. Um, and so I, I can't say enough about Randy and, and the work that we do at Fielding International is really about creating equitable learning for everybody everywhere. Uh, but thanks for bringing that up, Dave. Right now at Fielding International, you're a senior learning designer. In case, well, I should back up a little bit. Fielding International is a company that designs and refurbishes schools. You're architects, correct? So the firm is, is made up of a lot of architects and interior designers. But what really differentiates us is we, we are also learning designers. We are educators. Um, and we are looking at what what people actually want out of their school systems and then designing environments and learning ecosystems that actually align to that vision. And so kind of what we see is schools know they want to change. They want to transform because they are still largely working in a paradigm that is about teacher-directed learning, that is cells and bells, that's very institutional for efficiency, and yet they want something different. And what we've come to understand is we can't just try to change a, a tweak here or embed something new or a new program here. We really need to create a whole new way of thinking about schools. And then if we change the environment, we create spaces that are, that are more around um, diversity of spaces so that you have individual reflection spaces. So like nooks or cave spaces, in addition to collaborative spaces, small group rooms, even some traditional classrooms. But if you have that diversity of space, you have transparency, you have connected to the outdoors and to nature, what you do is you create a whole new learning environment, an ecosystem where you have aligned your environments, where you learn with your vision, and you also have the human capacity, the, the roles that you define for your teachers. Your teachers are becoming more of guides or coaches or mentors. And your students are becoming more of the driver of their own learning journey. So what I do as a learning designer is I get to facilitate conversations with teachers, with students, uh, with administrators. Sometimes we even bring parents and community conversations in. Uh, but we start with very basic questions is what is the purpose of school? And usually what people realize is what they're doing right now is completely misaligned with what they want out of their schools. And so you create that demand demand that drives the change, the transformation. And yes, we can help create and design new facilities, but really the transformation comes from within. When the teachers decide that they're no longer just going to deliver content, that they're really going to be the ones to, uh, to, to guide their students, to provide opportunities to solve real problems in the world. And that's where the change happens. It's, we can help, we can guide, uh, but ultimately the change happens from within. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going to go because you, your title of senior learning designer, you're not an architect. However, you have a ton of experience, and I'm guessing that you talk to schools, then you talk to more schools and more and more, and you find out some things that really work that you could almost implement anywhere. You're there to, uh, if, like, Fielding International, you're architects, but now you're more than architects. You're, you're, a, you're a big part of the design, uh, although you're not an architect. You work with some great ones, but it's your input that is also extremely important 
Yeah, absolutely. The architecture is important. The, the, the physical environment is, is incredibly important and it, it can really be the kind of the catalyst or the, the disruptor of entrenched ways when you break out of those silos or those cells um, of our kind of the uh, conventional way that schools were designed in the past and create this learning community model that, that Randy really um, created and, and wrote in his, uh, in his book, uh, Language of, of, of School Design. Um, that's now been emulated literally in, in all parts of the world. Um, but the idea is that the learning communities are, are based on relationships. They're based on, on designing for well-being. It allows for both collaborative work, but also reflective work. Um, it's completely breaking down the paradigm of the way that schools were designed for most parts of the 20th century. Um, and so that's, that's what I, I get to, I get to do the kind of the uh, guidance from a um, uh, educational perspective is how do we now align our the vision for our learning um, and the you know the curriculum that we're using and the the roles that we're defining for our teachers and our students and our parents and our community how do we align that with the physical space because um, all of those have to work as interdependent parts um, and if they do they can strengthen and support one another. But oftentimes what we find is the vision is so far misaligned with how, how, the, how the spaces are, are designed and, and how the roles are being operated that, that they just, it, it, it's creating so many problems that we see so often in education. We talk about in education, whether that be the achievement gap or burnout or mental health issues, every system is designed to get exactly the outcome it gets. And right now our conventional system of education is not getting what we want is not doing what we want it to do, but it's designed to do that. So you have to, you have to think differently if you want to actually change. I really want to uh, focus on exploration high, but let me ask you this at, at Fielding International, uh, has COVID played a role in, uh, you know, our schools backing off a little bit uh, on, on certain plans or uh, things moving forward because tax dollars have already been allocated or um, has COVID affect uh, you guys in any way? Yeah, that's, that's a, a loaded question. COVID is affecting everything right now. Um, and I think there's certain schools are, are looking at the level of disruption caused by COVID as an opportunity to think differently about the future of learning. But a lot of schools right now, they're just in triage mode. They're, they're trying to get by. Um, they're trying to just um, do, do what they can to stay safe and healthy and, and to, to continue delivering. Um, you know, quality education. But I think what what has affected us is that uh, so many of the so many of the things that that we want to do um, around kind of creating spaces um, has been sort of put on a back burner, which is understandable. Sure, sure. Um, but but yeah, it's a lot of schools right now are still in triage mode. There are at, at the same time schools are in triage mode. There's a lot of folks, a lot of educators who are looking at this as an opportunity to come out of COVID a lot stronger and with a lot different, different way that we entered it. Let's talk about 100. That's, uh, that's 100, ed, ed, as an education at the end of it. Tell us about that. And, and first, first off, what's, what's the URL? 100.org, 100.org. Um, it's a Finnish nonprofit from Finland, Helsinki, Finland. And their founder, uh, his name is Saku, he has a, a really interesting background in, in both in business and in rethinking education as an artist, um, an author, 
uh, he's kind of a Renaissance man, and, and he realized that that education was not serving the purpose that most of us wanted to right now. And he thought that if he could highlight the most innovative things going or going on in the world of education, um, that could bring people together to help help kind of break down the uh, proverbial barriers that that oftentimes we've siloed in education, um, and kind of connect dots in a way that would allow us to build on each other's best work. And so back in 2016, um, during Helsinki uh, Education Week, um, they launched the most innovative things going on in, in Finland in education. And uh, for many of us in education, we look at Finland as kind of the utopia model of education, where they're extremely creative. Um, they're, they're very much around um, holistic education. Um, um, they, they, they educate their kids for less time, yet they get extremely good results. Um, they have all sorts of positive indicators that, so anyway, most people around the world of education look at Finland as kind of this utopian education system. And it's a different context in Finland than it is here, but there are certain things that that they do that that we can emulate. But anyway, back to 100, Saku, after realizing the power of innovation and highlighting innovation in 2017, he and a small team developed 100 as, an, as a nonprofit organization, and they came up uh, with the help of their advisory, the 100 most innovative things in education to highlight. In, in that year. And it was schools, it was, it was organizations, it was nonprofits, um, it was community programs. And that was the first year that they did their 100 innovative ideas list. And since then, it, it's just kind of blown up on a global scale where it's now been featured in Forbes and NPR and, you know, all sorts of different international publications. And they have partnerships with you know, uh, United Nations, the Lego Foundation, uh, UNICEF, there's all sorts of amazing sort of things that have rippled off of this original idea. And it's still relatively new. It's, uh, you know, just four or five years old now. Uh, but this last year, they did a, um, a new program called Country Leads. And they wanted to start a pilot program for um, uh, kind of the different different educational innovators, leaders in different countries around the world to help even you know, build this out even more. And after I had just hosted um, a series this spring in the aftermath of COVID called From Gathering to Transformation, which brought together over a thousand participants, uh, many from Minnesota, but from 38 countries around the world, almost 50 states, intergenerational. We had regular participation from age nine to 89 and uh, spotlight to Wayne Jennings for the 89. He's a hero of mine. Um, but after that, uh, from the Editor Transformation series, I was asked if, if I would consider be the USA country lead for 100. And it's just been an incredible experience over the last several months to connect with all of these incredible people um, around the globe who are doing amazing things. Um, some of them are doing amazing things with, with technology for education. Uh, which I've already connected somebody from education to Eric Nelson, who is uh, uh, one of the Ed North uh, leaders. Uh, there's just so much amazing stuff going on in education that is really changing, truly changing the paradigm of how we can educate our kids, really, truly put, putting young people first 
and really solving real problems that exist in the world. Because Dave, you and I know we, we have some real problems in this world and we cannot just keep pushing content and disenfranchising kids. We have got to empower them to solve real problems. And we all talk about this in education, but we're not to any sort of scale doing it. And that's what 100 is trying to do. It's trying to scale an education movement that's around youth empowerment, innovation, and solving real problems. You are so passionate about education. It, it comes through like no, like no one I know. I, I just got just to say, for something that is really starting to take, take and develop and grow exploration high in, uh, in the Twin yeah. Cities. Yeah, expert. Exploration High, it is. This is a this is a true startup, and it's launching in 2021 in Northeast Minneapolis. Uh, we have our facility. It's it's just it's an incredible school. I, I encourage everybody to go to explorationhighschool.org to learn about it. Um, it's also been uh, just this project of mine that um, been working on it for uh, over seven years now. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 taken an, an incredible amount of time, but what has become of it is just this incredibly special school, uh, high school that we are creating that is all about the things we've been talking about, that is really built around the individual student, allowing them to explore who they are and what they want to do in this world, helping students, guiding them, creating learning opportunities so that every student can find who they are and what they can do, making connections with the community and working to solve real problems. So Exploration High School has been a, has been a passion project of mine for, for seven years. Um, it's been quite a process to, to, to get it to where it is today. We're actually going to open this fall in, in 2020 before COVID um, forced us to delay. Uh, but in some ways, that was a blessing in disguise. We could get better organized. We just um, we just hired our founding director, uh, Dave Hyington, who's this amazing individual. Uh, we have a great team. Uh, Sam Neeson is a former educator, uh, who's our outreach director. Uh, Krizia Dunez is our uh, social media, uh, uh, and she's a she's a young person who's just really making connections in the community. Um, it's just it's a special school, and I, I would encourage everybody to to check it out. Um, because in my mind, what we're doing is we're creating equitable schools, equitable learning opportunities for our kids so that every single kid is seen, heard, valued, and loved. And I would say that that phrase, what I, what, what I want to do with my life, whether it's through Exploration High School or Fielding International or 100, is so that every kid, both here in the Twin Cities, but every single person in the entire world is seen, heard, valued, and loved. And it seems really simple, but right now that's not what is happening in our education system. And we have got to break down those barriers. We have got to be innovative. We have got to create opportunities so that every single kid is seen, heard, valued, and loved. This is going to be a model for schools across not only the country, but the world, the way I see it. I do hope that Exploration High School is, is a beacon that, that we can hold ourselves as an example of what school could be. But I also want to just point out there's some amazing things going on 
right here in our own community. I love coming to work and work on the things that I do. There are a lot of people who can't say that. Students are saying this with schools, right? They wake up every day and oh, I got to go to school. But if you give them that environment and that encouragement and everything that you spoke about uh, that's involved, it could be a game changer and turn them around and they get up and they're excited to go to school. Yeah, uh, let me tell just a quick story about one of one of my inspirations from outside of Minnesota, Iowa Big. Um, it's, a, it's a school that's been around for a little over 10 years now in, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, in 2008, there was a, a major flood that really wiped out a lot of the infrastructure in Cedar Rapids. And um, one of the community leaders um, there um, decided that they wanted to create a new system of education and what ultimately became Iowa Big. But what they did is they highlighted a group of 60 community um, people so that everybody in Cedar Rapids could identify with at least one of the 60 people. And what they had them do to create demand for this new way of thinking about education, it was so simple. They called it the Billy Madison Project. They had these 60 people go into conventional high school for half a day. Half a day. It's all it took for them to see how ridiculously antiquated high school was. And what every single one of those 60 people said when they came out of it is they said, wait, that's what our kids are doing? That's so far away from what we do as adults. They can't just, why are they just sitting there and listening to things that really don't matter? Why are they memorizing the quadratic formula when they could be out in the world getting excited and solving real problems. And what came out of that was this amazing school. It was a collaboration about across four, uh, the quad, uh, four districts in, in Cedar Rapids. This is a public, public school uh, collaboration, and it's still in existence today. It won the XQ Super School uh, Award a few years ago. I had a chance to go down there with Sam uh, Neeson uh, last year to see what's going on. And it's just, it's so it's so powerful when you see kids who understand exactly what their purpose is and are working on projects that they care about. You can't tell me that they're not learning to, to read and write and, and analyze data and understand numbers when they're working on things that they care about. You just can't. So it's not that, that there isn't content. There's absolutely content. But it's that you have to get kids excited and then the content comes. Whereas we've designed most of our conventional education systems to start with the content and hope kids excite, get excited about it later. Nathan, we, we have to wrap this up uh, real quick here, but if you were to think about this, what is the best, not necessarily the biggest, but the best piece of technology that's being used in schools today? Let me tell you one that came out of COVID that is just so simple called Link Online Learners. And it's, it was, it's a safe uh, virtual uh, platform where kids from around the world can connect uh, with one another in real time. And just what they do is they, they take their cameras and they just go around and show the environments that they are. And they just have very uh, casual conversations around uh, how they live. Um, what does a living room look like? Um, what sort of foods do you eat? And what that, I mean, so simple, but if you, if you allowed for that sort of uh, connection um, to happen organically, what you're going to get is that's a way that you could learn language. That's a way that you could learn history and cultures. Um, 
so that that's just one that came to the top of my mind. Um, a non uh, sort of a, a different form of technology. Um, there's a great um, there's a great uh, machine that um, an educator in the Bronx came up with called the Green Bronx Machine, and it is a it grows food and it does it. I, I don't know all the technology, but it's this very innovative innovative way to grow food. Um, using this machine, and he, I mean, he's now a, a, the guy who created Stephen Ritz is now a um, kind of like a best-selling author and and an entrepreneur. Uh, but it's that technology is it allows for kids to understand how they can grow food and and learn the mechanics of the of the machine at the same time. Uh, there's just all sorts of these amazing things going on in technology that we can utilize in the classroom. And it doesn't mean that kids are sitting in front of the screen all day. Um, screens and, and uh, you know, connecting with one another from around the world, like Link Online Learners, is a way to learn, but it's not the only way to learn. I think there's, there's ways for technology to add authenticity to learning, uh, to, to, to upskill in things that are gonna matter in the future. Um, I, I see the, the future of, of virtual reality uh, for exploration and, and understanding um, different historical and geographical um, uh, learning is, is powerful. I know there's there's an unbelievable ex a virtual experience to go through um, Anne Frank's home um, in in virtual reality and and to go through that um, on your own um, and and it's a, it's a guided tour. Uh, there's another one of Machu Picchu. Um, it, it, there's just so many potential. Um, deep learning experiences if we if we leverage uh, things like virtual reality uh, well. And I think that's going to be more embedded in the future of learning. Um, but there's also going to be more things that are um, not technology based, more um, out in the being out in the community working on real things. So I think technology is in a, is is a plays a big role in the future of school and learning. But I think it's it's just part of a different paradigm, a different learning ecosystem that, that people are going to be part of. Thank you so much, Nathan Stringy. Uh, the little kid, I'm kidding. The, little, uh, the, the, the kid who grew up in Sartell and is now changing the world of education that we live in. Uh, Startup coordinator, program director of Exploration High School, USA country lead for 100 and Senior Learning Designer at Fielding International. I'm, gu I'm guessing you don't have much spare time. Uh, but nonetheless, we appreciate you taking the time to be on the Ed North EdTech Podcast. Thank you, Dave. Enjoyed being here. Well, one more thank you to Nathan Stringy for joining us on the Ed North EdTech Podcast. Hey, if you like this podcast, do us a huge favor. It won't take long, but it, whatever platform you're listening to this on, if you could give us a review, it would be very, very much appreciated. Uh, so uh, whatever, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify or the host of others, iHeartRadio, whatever, uh, please uh, leave us a review. It would be Awesome. So thank you very much. Uh, on behalf of the Ed North Ed Ted Podcast, I'm Dave Swerdlick. Thanks for joining us and go to ednorth.org 
You can find out all the happenings that even through these COVID times, there is still stuff going on and it's just online. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but it did. So I guess I'll leave it in there. We'll talk to you on the next Ed North Ed Tech podcast. Thanks for joining us. Have a good one.